Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Gutterworks. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. All right, good Saturday, good morning. Hey, that big burning ball in the sky, that, yeah, that thing, yeah, it's the sun. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Maybe you have too. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood here in the mid part of the United States. Scott Mosby, home improvement, one hour, bit of a strength here in the activity-laden St. Louis area. My gosh, we've got blues today, hoping for the big win. Cardinals opening the season. So what a day to live in St. Louis. Weather. Oh, but, oh, yeah, it's the mid part of the United States. If you don't like the weather today, or if you do... It, never mind, it'll change. Uh, 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120, anywhere on the globe, toll-free 800-925-1120. You can hear the podcast, today's uh, show on radio.com, radio.com, uh, a real convenient app so you can take me with you wherever you'd like. And when you forget kind of what I said or what that product was, or what was it that Scott Mosby said on KMOX, it's right there for you. Yeah, just go back to the podcast. Or you can uh, subscribe to those if you'd like. Radio.com. Lots of things happening here in St. Louis. Many probably around your home. Today's agenda, my agenda. I am here to help you with these phone calls and answer any of your home questions. Home repair, home improvement, additions, new roofs, maintenance. However, I want to really kind of keep us close to the turf today. Because with the beautiful weather, you may be in the yard as well. Um, I love being outside. So it's time to kind of get the, you know, get the hut ready for the coming spring because it's here tomorrow, rain tonight, rain. So we've got lots of things to talk about. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby, and I own Mosby Building Arts in St. Louis. This is our 72nd year, um, you know, two or three quarters of the way of a century here as a uh, family business, and that is Mosby Building Arts. We are licensed architects, so we have a full architectural firm inside of a construction company. Scratch us a little bit. We really are a construction company. We've gone into the design because of uh, partial plans, unfinished uh, preparations, lack of selections of colors, uh, faucet spreads, all the details that it takes to build a project. If you want to know where the walls go and about how many inches they are from over there, that's what you get from an architect. When you go to a company like Mosby Building Arts, we do design build. We need all the information to come through for you for the clients so consequently we've gone very deep into the preparation uh, ordering the very detailed uh, writing the stuff down making sure clients get that information because if we have something incorrectly recorded or last week's decision I want them to see that paperwork so that they can look at it and say oh well I was I was thinking chrome not necessarily brushed uh, brass here you know and and you get a brushed brass faucet on they're not even available to speak of but my God Gosh, it's a disaster. So anyway, the little bits of things that we do at Mosby tend to finish the job 
of preparing that project. Only then can a construction team really have what I call a 100% chance to get this thing right. If it's not written down, it didn't happen. Uh, if it's not written down, the construction team doesn't even know what it is because uh, I don't know if you have the issue with your spouse, but you talk about something and you're halfway through discussion and conversation. You think you've got a decision, and all of a sudden today, that wasn't the decision. Well, imagine in a business. Imagine with a large project, small project. So anyway, design build for me at Mosby Building Arts, the way we do it is just finish the job. That's it. Um, we uh, On finishing the job, we're about 93% on-time completion. That's real-time, uh, recorded right up to a few seconds ago. Phone lines here on CAMOX, 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. I am truly at your service. Uh, today's agenda is whatever you want to talk about. A few topics with the rain coming. I'm going to ask you to go around the outside of your home. I know it may be a little bit warm, a little late, but take a walkabout around your house. Trust me, it's a good day. Go outside and start at the top of your house. Look at the roof. Are there branches up there? Anything up there that shouldn't be? Any homeowner knows what belongs on their roof and what doesn't. Do you see rust around the chimney or areas around flashing where there might be a dormer? That's where a window sticks up on your roof and and has some siding on it. That flashing or the metal or material that goes between the roof plane and that vertical wall plane, that's critical. Look for that. If you have anything green growing out of your gutters, trust me, Scott Mosby says that's bad. Yeah, if you've got, you know, the farmer's um, crop for 2019 germinating in your gutters, that means there's a lot of good topsoil. Trust me, it's pretty good. The birds drop all kinds of good seeds in there, too. That's not good because when the deluge comes, when the cats and, and dogs start falling out of the sky, that water goes right down, dumps right at your downspout. Hopefully not next to your foundation, but I'll bet at least half of you listeners have those downspouts on splash blocks. Think that's good enough. Not so. Keep those downspouts 10 feet. Get the end of the pipe, the end of the downspout, however you do it, uh, 10 feet away from the home. That's the way the foundation has a good chance to stay dry. And that's just irrespective of whether it's a good foundation or a bad one. All that by age. Keep in mind, uh, I will be asking questions. I will be answering questions. Phone lines for you, 314-436-7900, Today's blog topic on callmosby.com is around aluminum windows and bearing walls. So throughout the topic today, I'll be explaining how to identify a load-bearing wall. Also, some of the aluminum windows, the history. Uh, You know, I'm kind of a history geek. I like that. How did we get to these products and construction methods today? By going back 40, 50 years and seeing how trades, manufacturers, technology, creativity, innovation, all that stuff converges into right now today, consumers getting or not getting whatever it is is happening on their homes. That's my mission. Uh, I've been on the air now for 22 years, happy to be part of the CAMOX family. I am at your service. My name is Scott Mosby. Phone numbers you can put together to get to me, 314-436-7900, toll free, 800-925-1120. Let's go Blues, go Cardinals. Oh man, I love St. Louis here on CAMOX. Scott Mosby back for more right after this. Oh, home improvement. 
it. Yeah, this is a Helitech Home Improvement Show by Gutterworks. Scott Mosby on the microphone. If I can get these buttons pressed and everybody connected without hitting the ejection seat button. And you can imagine this. I go flying right out. The window blows out. Screen goes blank. And out Scott goes right out the window. Bosco in the corner saying, what happened? All right. Too much coffee this morning. Home improvement phone lines are open. I want to talk to my new friend, Mike. Hey, Mike, good morning. Thanks for getting us started on KMOX. How can I help? Morning, Scott. Uh, Scott, we just purchased a home uh, the other day, and uh, when we had the last big uh, rainstorm, the uh, the window wells uh, filled up on the side of the house. Mm. Uh, they, they did have covers on, so I'm pretty sure it was groundwater that was coming up. Uh, we, we put a small sump pump in the window well to keep it empty. But my question is, the house does have a sump pump down the basement, which was dry. I mean, the pump works. Why wouldn't the groundwater gravitate to the lowest point being the sump in the basement as opposed to coming up the side of the house and going in the window wells? Well, it's early in the season, so, uh, you know, my understanding is the soil will saturate from the top down from surface water, rain, and runoff. So whatever doesn't run off soaks in, and it just goes down and down and down and down. So you're, okay. you're, you may not have saturated soil eight feet down, but it sounds like you've got it three feet down. And as we thaw, you know, so we've thawed, the soil is getting warmer. Anyway, your job is, like your sump pump, to get that water to a lower drainage something. Um, okay. And, and that is preferred to be outdoors. So okay. if you've got enough slope away from those uh, window wells, uh, the best way to do it is passive and gravity, which means put a drain and a pipe going down somewhere uh, downhill, and that can be 20 feet, it could be 200 feet. But that's the choice number one. Uh, if your house is too low, literally, you know, Builder 101, the builder built it too low down in a bowl, and you don't have a downhill flowing away, now you're auto, you, need, you need a sump pump to do that. Uh, and I would prefer to do that outdoors. Then your third choice is uh, really call the foundation guys to come in and drain it into the sump pump but I, you know i just don't like inviting outdoor water to come in on my i understand pipe. so is having a sump pump in the window well okay i mean is that an yeah. acceptable uh, solution yeah yeah it is the okay. problem with that is uh you know if you have a cover on it the old man winter is the nasty one because you get rain right. in the middle of freezing you know it might be 12 degrees monday and then it's 50 degrees tuesday and if it rains you know that sump pump and the hose and the pipe and all that can freeze so it's right, not 100 percent. Right. which is why i like the gravity bury it down so the frost you know can't penetrate all that is it worth the effort, Scott, to go into a window well and take a post hole digger and dig down as deep as I can go to get the water to go down to the lower level of the foundation and ultimately to the sump pump in the basement? Mike, good question. Uh, how old is your house? About 50 years old. Yeah, the problem is that drain tile down below is now failed. 50 years ago was right at the cusp of those old clay tile drain tile. If you if you know what I'm talking about, those 16-inch long red tile things about 5 inches in diameter on the outside. They just okay. stacked those end-to-end -end in a bed of gravel, and they didn't have any fabric covering. So over half a century, the erosion, the water carries the dirt down, plugs up that drain tile. So that's how your window wells drained when your house was new just exactly what you described if that okay. was working uh i would say yes but you know if you told me your house is 20 years old i'd say yeah give it a try you know but at half a century man uh, mother nature already told you that it's not working 
So you think as time goes on, the, th- the ground thaws out, that the situation will correct itself, that the water will ultimately not accumulate in the window well, but rather go down, uh, you know, along the foundation down to the, the sump pump in the basement? Um, well, we're in April. I mean, yes. the big rains are just about to start. So I think it's right. going to get worse before it gets better. And this is okay. really, do you need to fix this? No, you don't need to fix it. Do you want a dry basement? Yes, I want it. So this is about you as a consumer. What am I willing to tolerate inside my basement? And then there's a price to that. And then there's sure. a value to that. You, you know, so you're, I, what you, I'm a dry basement guy. I don't like moisture inside because of all the nasty stuff sure. I learn, you know, medically and mold and all that well, stuff. Actually, my basement will stay dry as long as I keep a sump pump on the window well. So I guess that's yeah. I guess that's the solution. Would you agree? Or yeah, yeah, for, I would for now. But I think you're going to change your mind in a year or two when you know that doesn't work one or two times, and you know because now you're talking about water coming through those windows again, and, right? And you know it's uh, anyway. Fifty. Do you have drain tile inside your house with a sump pump? I, I don't know if there, we just bought the house. I can't tell you there's drain tile around the perimeter. All I can tell you there is a sump pump uh, that works, and there is some water that accumulates down there, but nothing like what accumulates in the window well. So, yeah, for well, whatever the reason, window- the water is not going all the way down to the lowest level. Well, that's you know, so your soil is not saturated. You're then you're describing runoff. So when it rains, your window wells will fill up, and before the water gets a chance, even if it works, to soak down to your drain tile, it's filling up your windows and pouring over inside your basement. So okay, uh, agreed. If you could get it down there, but on a half century old house, man, you don't. The, the next thing you do, let's do you. Let's assume you do the uh, uh, post hole digger and you get it all the way down. How fast will that water come through and under your footing and foundation to get into that drain tile? Right. I understand so that. I understand that problem. <laughs> yeah. So when the pros do it, you know, basically they drill holes between the footing and the foundation trying to get that water come in. And then they've got to put a big enough hole and pipe in there because it's going to try and plug up with mud, too, just like your drain tile did outside. Yes. Okay. So you're, yeah, right. you're, you're, you're pretty hopeful there on several levels, and that's where you know it's like, oh man, I don't want to trench this puppy all the way over to there to drain this. Went well, you know, it's the lesser of two evils, three and four sure. evils sometimes. Well, with the sump pumping and two of the basement windows have are block windows, so no water is really coming in just yet. Yeah, uh, but uh, but. I don't know, just looking for a long-term solution, Scott. So, uh, well, the black windows actually work pretty well because, you know, they'll take the water for an hour. You know, they won't, they'll leak after two or three slowly, but, you know, yes. I've seen people put glass. So, again, that's about you and your family and how much uh, pain you can handle versus sure. the dollars to fix it. Okay. All right, Scott. Appreciate your time. Good show. Mike, you're, uh, you're, all, you're prepared for this. I, I, I applaud your knowledge because you know right what's going on. So I think you're going to come out smelling good eventually. A well, little pain between here and there. but Right. Okay. Thanks again. All right, Michael. Good luck, brother. I appreciate Home it. Improvement. You, you bet. Let's see what's cooking with my buddy, Greg. Hey, Greg, good morning. How you doing, Scott, here? What can I help with? Hey, good morning, Scott. I appreciate your program. My question is on the exterior of our house. It's about 25 years old. We have masonite siding, and overall it's in pretty good shape, but I've got a couple patches that I need to replace, including the bottom run across two sides. Any any tricks in doing that, and then is it okay after I'm done with the patchwork if the color doesn't match to paint the whole house? 
Oh, yeah. A couple of tricks. Thank you for asking the question. This is a high pain-related answer. Um, uh, Masonite is uh, the building technologist. They call it was wood, you know. At, at one time, it was wood. Now they mushed it up into a whole bunch of fibers, squeezed, squeezed it back together, compressed it, cooked it, and now it's siding. So at one time, it was wood. Um, so don't put that stuff down on the first layer. Uh, with irrigation, rainfall, you know, all that water drips down your siding, and it sits there on the edge, the bottom edge of that siding, and the one down closest to the ground is the one that goes first, which you've discovered. I would advocate then for a PVC, uh, typically a freeze board, F-R-I-E-Z-E, freeze board, uh, and, and that material will paint up like your masonite composite siding, but it won't rot. So your paint will fall off, but it won't go back into mush. So if you've got composite siding that's holding up after 25 years, count your lucky stars, number one. Yes, you can patch it in and put it back together. The stuff that's out there on the market today, there's some pretty good products you can go back in the problem is they're going to last 20 25 years and your masonite's got probably three to five so it's time for you to start budgeting a new uh, siding replacement but based on what you're saying i would put a freeze board down at the bottom usually a drip edge on top of that as you drive around town start looking at those bands at the bottom they're often between the first and second story of a house and and those band joy or band board in trim form if you do the bottom one out of pvc and then put the drip edge on top of it um, they just don't rot anymore Uh, and then painting the house all of that stuff is is painted you will need to put uh, probably three or four coats at the joints because uh, you'll need uh, a couple of coats of bonding primer and then at least two top coats at those joints so painting is the magic and i think you'll be okay for a few years um you know after buying a new house you're kind of broke because everything went into that purchase so i I think it's a great plan very good so i appreciate that any suggestions on where to locate that material that uh, freeze board Oh, just do a PVC search. You're going to have to go to a lumber yard. Uh, there's some of the stuff at the big box stores, but if you can get to a, a lumber yard, a real wholesale supply place, go in and, and just ask that question. Say, you know, the Scott Mosby guy said I should use PVC. You know, and it's three quarters of an inch thick. It can come five quarters of an inch thick. Uh, stuff's like solid gold, man. You, you'll know you found the right thing because the check you write will hurt. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> well, I but that's. appreciate the advice. Yeah, man. Hey, I think you're on it, Greg. Uh, happy springtime, and uh, I'll tell you what, when you get it all painted up, I, I think you'll you'll be happy with it. Very good. Thanks for your program. All right. Good luck, my friend. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. We're halfway through the first hour. We've got the Blues playing today in St. Louis Cardinals game. Weather is good. Get it in before the rain starts tonight and tomorrow. Uh, and anything in the yard... Boy, howdy. I'll tell you what, Mike Miller says today's the do it, the time to do it. Phone lines 314 436 7900 800 925 1120. Scott Mosby, Camel X, Bosco, my gerbil. We are at your service. Oh, yeah, we are live and lively. Oh, watch this moonwalk here. Get it? Oh, yeah. Oh, toe, heel, toe. Excuse me. 
Must be wired up today. Scott Mosby, home improvement. Bosco's rocking in the background. <laughs> I've got Alex on the line. He is the producer making all this. It's his fault, man. Yeah, but tell you what, yeah. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Hey, I've got my buddy Skip online. Hey, Skip, how can I help you, my friend? Hi, good morning, sir. So maybe not your specialty, but you were saying about working outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and since listening to the show, <laughs> i got a couple more questions. Pruning the trees, um, too late to do that? Uh, no, now's the time to do most of that. And I'm not Mike Miller, so you're going to get about a 50% answer. Uh, ideally, <laughs> the goal on those various trees, whatever, whether it's a bush, a shrub, or a tree, and most of the trees in St. Louis, uh, you trim it before the buds come out. So right now, uh, the buds are out for most yeah. everything. Ideally, you want that bloom to happen, and then you trim it. So the best time to trim a tree, as I understand it, is is in the fall you want to get it late summer so that the tree gets a chance to heal itself and then you know prepare for the winter and you you water it and all of that so yes you can trim the tree now in a healthy fashion and it'll be fine but you're going to cut off most of the new growth that's about to occur right now so once I do that, then it's going to more or less go to dormant, I guess, or, you know. Well, you just don't get the blooms. You cut down the trees. I mean, you're, you're all the new growth, all the um, replenishing of the tree's health. Uh, it just made it through the winter. It's now putting the blooms and the buds out, and they're all going to turn into cool stuff and new healthy cool. growth. You're going to cut all the new healthy growth off. So I should maybe just wait. So I'll just wait until yeah. fall or something. And then my second question yep. is, the dehumidifiers, um, mm-hmm. do you believe in them? Is that a good thing? I mean, my basement's not leaking, but it seems like if I keep it on at a certain temperature or the thermostat, it seems to not get moisture as much. So I'm assuming that they work, but I'd like to know what your take is on them. Well, I love dehumidifiers. I mean, in St. Louis, uh, well, let's put it this way. If you're out in the desert and the humidity is 15%, don't bother. You don't need it. The, the whole sure. mother nature is the dehu- But in St. Louis, where we invented humidity and we reinvented every summer, dehumidifiers are magical. In my opinion, they're a cheap date to dry the air because most of the homes, unless they were built in the last 20 or 30 years, you know, the basement was only built to hold up the house. They It was never really intended to be below-grade you know, finished area, the drain systems and all that sump pump stuff was just kind of beginning in a wholesale manner. Um, So frankly, running a dehumidifier, I would set it at 50%, but run a fan. The issue is your dehumidifier down in the basement may dry out the corner it's in. But if okay. you take a if you take a humidity reading with a hygrometer on caddy corner all the way across the house, I'll bet you'll find that it's a lot more humid over there. So just a simple twelve dollar box fan, just move the air around that basement. Um, you know these box fans are not rocket science, so they can cause sparks sure. and kind of smoke and such. So don't put any don't put them around anything else that can burn. And then just rotate yeah. the air or turn your furnace fan, your blower motor to on, and that rotates and and circulates the air. And and pushes that new humid stuff against through that humid of sure. and I heard that that's rising. a good idea to run that anyway maybe even in the winter time for it to circulate the heat or cool in the house so oh. I just needed to check it I thought it was old school that my grandma and grandpa of course you know always believed in so I did too but it seems to work for us so I appreciate yeah. your time and thank you so much for all the information that you give us all right skip thanks for the call brother 
home improvements got mosby camo x in the mosby household man i run that furnace blower all the time number one it doesn't go on and off so it doesn't wake up light sleepers number two it averages out the temperature of the house the only time i don't run my blower motor is when i have my windows open and we're on one of those days today so you know the opportunity and my suggestion to you Open those windows, change that air. Um, there are a lot of building materials and just clothing and carpet, excuse me, carpet, all this normal stuff that off-gasses uh, the stuff that they were made of. That's even better when you change the air. So freshen up the air in your house. But the only time I do not run a blower motor is when I have the windows open. Uh, and then sometimes I do, if, for example, on a day like today, since I have dead spots, my house is about 50, 60 years old. It's not the perfectly circulated, ventilated house. So I do run the blower motor trying to get some of that dead corner air out where the windows will blow it out. So, you know, that's truth be known. The only time I don't run that is deeper into the summer. Uh, anyway, thanks for the calls. Let's see what's cooking with my buddy uh, Joe. Hey, Joe, what's happening? Hello, Scott. How are you today? Oh, I'm fantastic. How about you? Oh, can't complain. Like I said, every day's a sunny day, even when it's cloudy. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> it's still up there. <laughs> no, I was just wondering, Scott, with given the severe weather getting ready to come in and how we always have it in the Midwest and what happened, what was that, about six years ago down in Joplin, we know how that the square rectangle building design that we have for homes are. Is there a better shape that we should be going to, whether it be circular triangular or something like that and you know in this region to minimize our damages well that's a good question joe if you notice uh house and roof design changes around the united states and around the world and that's because we've had thousands of years to figure out that if we build the wrong shape the doggone thing blows away right uh, you know so down in florida everything generally is pretty low hip roof four sides of a down slope roof so that that wind kind of skips off the top like a rock would um right. so well that's, it, that's why i was thinking Scott, just with you know, with all the damage we we've had had in the past, and, and of course, if we don't change things, we'll have the same amount. I would think that maybe the insurance companies and stuff would, you know, get together with the with the gray matter brains in the university to find out what would be the best design to start going to here. You know, well, it, the shape area. of the house matters, but the building codes have responded to this because the insurance companies got tired of paying for right. you know this oh, yeah. community blew away. So we have hurricane straps, we have metal straps, we have right. special joist hangers. So the ticket on a good house design, you'll see on the current building code and practices we've been doing at Mosby for a couple of decades, is basically metal strap the top of the roof down to the foundation. Uh, so some of the methods that's done with that is plywood that goes all the way up to the top. There's special now hurricane clamps that go on the trusses down to the wall, but then that wall and that strap has to go all the way down and connect truly to the foundation itself. Um, okay. So. So it's already happening, uh, driven right. by you know the insurance companies that don't want these laws. It's like, come on, man, Builder well, Joe everybody, got it right. Everybody, everybody, likes, yeah, everybody likes to get paid, and nobody wants to pay out, right? 
Right, right. Well, I mean, why do you want your house blowing apart anyway? So, you know, it's already happening. And indeed, as we remodel at Mosby, if we remove more than, I I might get the percent run, if we remove more than 40% of any wall, we've got to hurricane strap the house. Well, that's that's so... From a consumer standpoint, it's like, yeah, well, here's the price of the big right. project. It's 150000 By the way, hurricane strapping is another 35000 <laughs> Like, right. are well, you kidding me? I said, yeah, I didn't want to tie up your time, but I said one last thing. That, that always played in my mind when I was a kid back in the 67 tornado. I remember in the old houses when they used to use the used razor blades, they'd stick them in the cabinet. Oh, there was a slot that ran down, and that's the thing that ran through my mind was, you got all these houses with razor blades in them, and when they blow apart, you know what I mean? we got shrapnel all over the place at it. Oh, yeah. Well, you don't even need the razor blades when the glass no. goes. You've you got right. the same right. thing. Yeah, or a right. stroll well, that'll go through yeah. a wall. Well, thanks a lot for everything you do, Scott. Thanks, Skip. Good question. All right. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Let's take a short pause. Come right back for more on the CAMOX University of Home Improvement, CAMOX Home Improvement Show. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Gutterworks. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. All right. Whoa. Wow. Oh, yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Put the hands up in the air. All right. Wait. No, no. This is Home Improvement. Sorry. We're rocking out here. Let's see what's happening with my friend on Carol. Hey, let's go back to the phone lines. Carol, good morning. Welcome to CAMWEX. How can I help? Hello, Carol. Yes. Are you there? Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, Scott, I had a complete uh, deck constructed last summer, and now it's time to uh, put sealer on it. Mm-hmm. Can I just do the top deck, or do I have to do the whole thing? <laughs> Ideally, the horizontal flat surfaces are most important. Uh, what is uh-huh. your deck material? What's it made of? Cedar. Cedar? Okay, very uh-huh. important. Are the floor joists the same material, or is that a treated material? It'll be green. No, I think it's different. all cedar, the steps and everything. And I was wondering if I have to do the under part, you know, and everything, or just the top that you can see. Usually <clears throat> a cedar yet. deck. The, the best way to build a deck is treated lumber and then cedar on the top. Uh, so oh. if you have cedar floor joists, um, the problem is that cedar does rot um, and treated lumber typically doesn't. But where the floorboards lay on top of the floor joist, those boards up and down you see from underneath... Uh-huh. That joint is what stays wet all the time, and the underside of that cedar deck board will fail in about 15 years. Uh, uh-huh. So if it's fully a whole cedar deck, that's kind of not the new way or better way in my mind of building it. So I'd be surprised if you really do have a full cedar deck, but you might. It's, I've seen them. Uh, I so kind anyway. of think I do. This is a man that does things on his own, and uh, yeah. I mean it looks nice, but I have a feeling it's all cedar. Yeah. Um, well, seal uh, the top. Anything horizontal is where the rain sits and soaks in, and then that's where uh-huh. the sun cooks it. So, what's most important? Number one important is the top handrail, the decking, the surfaces of the stair treads, all of those things that you can see, feel, and touch. Uh, even with a cedar deck, I wouldn't worry about sealing all those underneath floor joists because, frankly, uh, you want them to dry out. That that undercarriage, the floor joists, all that structural stuff. The 
the ticket there is getting the wind and the sun to dry it out as soon as possible. Uh, so my okay. recommendation is seal only the top horizontal surfaces. Then aesthetically, once you start with your handrails, you've got to seal all of that, the post and the horizontal. Well, now so that's just vinyl. Visually. The handrails yeah. are vinyl. Okay. It's just the uh, wooden parts, you know, the top of the deck and that. Yeah. And uh, it, there's no stains on it, you know, from sap or anything. And I was wondering if it's necessary to power wash it before it's, see, it's sealed. <clears throat> well, I'm a scrubby dutcher here, you know, so I would give it a bath uh, either way. I, it, just soap and water, rinse it off, let it uh, dry. You know, tomorrow will be a great uh, day to let Mother Nature rinse it off. And then uh, you need two or three really hot days when that wind or that wood is really dry. Then you can seal that cedar. So you're at the right time to do it. Uh, but, uh-huh. you know, it's been winter. You get dust on there. So I, I would not paint a dirty surface. And I guarantee the surface of your deck is dusty, dirty. Probably so, yeah. Give it a bath. So it's better just to leave the underneath part alone, unless so it can dry out. Yep, Not yep. to steal that. Right, <laughs> right. Okay, well, thank you so much. All right, thanks, Carol. Good luck. Mm-hmm, bye-bye. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Hey, uh, I, I promised you a little bit about um, uh, load-bearing walls at the beginning of the hour here. Uh, load-bearing walls uh, typically on a gable roof, that, and that means the end edge is has a triangle on it. Your front, center, and rear wall are most commonly bearing walls, so they hold up the roof. Uh, if you go down in your basement, you will find your center, usually a steel beam, could be a wood beam, it could be a, a wall in a finished basement that may be underneath that steel. Anyway, the point being, you want to identify that because the steel will always be, or the beam will always be a load-bearing wall, what's below it and what's above it. That transfers the load. So typically you have your front wall that the 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 roof is carried by the wall, and the wall is carried by the foundation, and then the center is the steel beam. And then if you have an L-shaped house or whatever, it gets a little more difficult than that. But uh, suffice it to say that there, um, you know, the roof has to be carried by the walls. The walls have to be held up by the foundation or a wall below it. So keep that in mind. Stay tuned. Hour 2 coming up here on KMOX right on University of KMOX.